I, I'm just saying, I, it is such a privilege and such a pleasure to be in the house of God with you, with all of you people. Uh, you know, Pastor Matt especially, this guy, uh, to be able to minister with him has just been such a blessing to me. Um, you know, he's, he's young enough to be my son. Um, actually, he's younger than both of my sons, but <laughs> I'm fudging a little bit. But he is. He's young enough to be my son, but what a great guy he is. And I hope you guys just bless his socks off and realize uh, what a great guy he is and him and his family as well. Um, you know, I was thinking this morning uh, about uh, what to preach on. No, actually, I was thinking about it last week. But, uh, but I was thinking about it this morning as well because, you know, when you prepare a message, you always have second thoughts. You know, I mean, it's funny. I, some of you may say, well, Gary, I've never had second thoughts when I've prepared a message, and I'm sure there's a lot of pastors that never have. I usually do. I have second thoughts because I want to make sure that what I present is something that would edify you as the church, something that would uh, speak to your hearts. And so I pray about that a lot, and I was praying about that this week, and I thought, well, Gary, maybe the problem was uh, this is, uh, this is uh, Independence Day weekend, and maybe I should have been delivering a message on freedom. Let me say this about freedom. I am a patriot. My wife knows if you cut me, I bleed red, white, and blue. I love this country. I served in the military. I raised my hand. I went in in 1967. I said, this is what I want to do. And I know many of you out there did the same thing at different times. And one of the things was that to understand what freedom is, we know that freedom was and is provided to us in this country because of the men and women that stood up in a time that was called for. They were available to answer the call and they were right where God wanted them to be. And they did what their country asked them to do out of thanksgiving for the country that they lived in. We as believers are made free for pretty much the same reasons. We're free from the penalty of sin because of a loving God who provided a way in the person of his son to die on the cross and pay for our penalty of sin. Just as we owe debt and gratitude to our country and those who sacrifice for our freedom, we also owe a huge debt for the freedom that Jesus paid for us. We owe him uh, a debt and we should show that out of obedience for what he's done as our redeemer for all of us. You know, I want to talk this morning about God's call on Samuel and God's call on us as well. You know, God is calling us. He's called all of us. One of the things that, that is we, if you here sitting in these chairs, have accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you've taken care of the first part of that call. You've answered that call, him drawing you to himself to uh, enjoy and experience the joy 
of being a child of God. But then the second part of that is because of the love that he showed us and out of a thankful heart, we should answer the second part of that call. And that's to serve him. Consider this, in 1 Samuel 12, 24, it says, But be sure to fear the Lord and serve him faithfully with all your heart. Consider what great things he has done for you. Consider what great things he has done for you. You know, each of those songs that we sang this morning, I, I said I'm a patriot, I'm also soft-hearted. And anytime those songs, when we sing those songs about the power of Redeemer, I can do it with hymns, I can do it with almost anything. I used to sing a lot, and Verna knows we would go into a Bible's Books and More, or a Berean bookstore, or something like that, and I would take in earphones, and I would put in a CD or a, an accompaniment track that I was thinking about uh, purchasing to uh, sing in a worship service somewhere, and I'm that guy singing at the top of my lungs when everybody around me staring at me because they couldn't hear the music. And then I would find that as I would go ahead and sing those songs and whatever, I would walk over to Verna and I would have tears just rolling down my cheeks and she would say, you found one, didn't you? And then the problem with it was I was so affected by it I couldn't sing it. But I loved it. Because of what God has done for me, that's the way most of that music speaks to me. So. The emphasis on that verse that I just read is not that we just serve faithfully, or not that we just serve, but we serve faithfully. Too many of us in the church today have said, I've surrendered my life to Jesus Christ, and now I'm going to sit in the pew. It's not what you've been called to do. You've been called to be available to him and to do what he wants you to do to fulfill that great commission, go ye therefore. And that takes on so many other aspects of your life. Samuel was telling the people of Israel there that they were to be faithful to God's call on their lives out of gratitude for what he has done for us. If we took just a minute to really think about what God has done for us, I guarantee you, you'd break down and be on your knees in tears because of the sacrifice that he's made and the things that you see over and over and over each day in your life. But people, we've quit doing that. We pray for everybody's health. We don't pray for their hearts. And that's what he's calling us to do. We must be obedient. We see God's every hand everywhere if we take the time. But how do we show our faithfulness? One of the things is we don't listen. And when we don't listen, too many times we don't obey. Let me give you an illustration. There's a story of a church, somewhat like this church. They called a pastor. Oh, we just called a pastor. By the way, our pastor is uh, Pastor Bud. Uh, Wenzel will be in the pulpit. We're praying on the 19th of July. We're looking forward to that. But in the meantime, you still have me and Pastor Matt. Bless your hearts. But, but anyway, there's a story of this preacher who went in view of a... <laughs> uh, that. Now you're going to make me cry. Okay. 
But there's a story told of a preacher who went in view of a call to a new church. He preached a fine sermon on that first Sunday morning when the congregation came back for the evening service, excited about what they would hear. He preached the same sermon again. Well, the deacons meet and they decided that he preached the same sermon because he was nervous and extended a call to him to become their pastor. The preacher arrived the next Sunday to preach and again he preached the same sermon. People just shook their heads and, and they came back that night to see what he would preach again. Well, he preached the same sermon again. Well, the deacons had just about had it at this point and if you know your deacons, they can be pretty rough at times. So they discussed this among themselves and they said, if he preaches that sermon again, we'll be forced to confront him. Well, Wednesday night rolled around at the midweek service and you guessed it, he preached the same sermon again. Five times. The deacons met with the pastor after the service and they said, now preacher, that's a fine sermon that you've been preaching. But when are you going to preach something new? Preacher replied, well... I guess when you do what I told you to do the first time, we can go on to something else. You know, some of you laugh at that. <laughs> it might have been nervous laughter. You know? But the point is that God is speaking to us and we're not listening. God tells us what he wants us to do and we don't answer that call. We just consider sitting there. And one of the problems with that is that we're missing the joy of living a life that Christ has called you to live. Open your Bibles. Third chapter of 1 Samuel. I'm going to read a story that's very, um, very well known. All of you know this story. As I was telling my uh, Bible study class this morning, one of the things that happens is we read scriptures. A lot of the scriptures that we read and we've learned in Sunday school, and these stories, they seem to be, um, you know, they're nice little stories. They're simple, but they show the glory of God. And the same thing is true in this story. It's one that we've heard a million times, but the point of the story goes deeper than what we see a lot of times. Read with me or listen along as I read in the third chapter of 1 Samuel, beginning with the first verse. We're going to read through the 19th verse. It says, The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. Sounds like today, doesn't it? The word of the Lord is rare. Verse 2 says, one night Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I did not call Go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. Again the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. My son, Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lay down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. The Lord called Samuel a third time, and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized 
that the Lord was calling the boy. So he told Samuel, go and lie down, and if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there, calling as at the other time, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, See, I am about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears of it tingle. At that time I will carry out against Eli everything I spoke against his family from beginning to end. For I told him that I would judge his family forever because of the sin he knew about. His sons made him themselves contemptible, and he failed to restrain them. Therefore I swore to the house of Eli, the guilt of Eli's house, will never be atoned for my sacrifice or offering. Samuel lay down until morning, then opened the doors of the house of the Lord. He was afraid to tell Eli the vision. But Eli called him and said, Samuel, my son. Samuel answered, Here I am. What was it he said to you, Eli asked. Do not hide it from me. May God deal with you, be it ever so severely if you hide from me anything I told you. So Samuel told him everything, hiding nothing from him. Then Eli said, He is the Lord. Let him do what is good in his eyes. Then the Lord was with Samuel as he grew up, and he let none of his words fall to the ground. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. And in those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There was not many visions. During our series on Samuel, we've learned about Samuel's mother and father, a mother that so wanted to have a son that she said that if I have a son, I will dedicate him to the house of the Lord forever. God blessed her with a son. She was faithful in what she said. Out of her obedience and her thankfulness to God. So the story picks up during a time of great unrest. The people have been freed from Egyptian uh, captivity. Moses and Joshua have both died and the people are in the land promised by God. But then after Joshua's death, something happened. The people began to disobey God. They ran into all kinds of trouble because of their disobedience. They even experienced a pattern of slavery. Going back to the things that they have done over and over and over. They cry out to God when they're placed in those situations. And God provided them with a judge to free them. And then they follow God until that judge dies. Then what do they do? Just like us. They go back into their old patterns. They go back into their wicked ways. They're captured again by another people. They cry out to God. God provides them another judge. That judge frees them. This pattern continues. And now we're at the book of Samuel. Eli, as we read, is the chief priest. Eli is the one that thought that Hannah's uh, prayer to God were the babblings of a drunken woman. Then realizing that God was faithful to her. Now Eli is here in the temple still, and he has two sons, and his sons are scoundrels. His sons have no regard for God or no regard for the priesthood. They're playing church. 
And because of them and because of others, their worship has become corrupted. The people only cry out to God in type of crisis. They're not walking with him. And because of that, it says, the word of the Lord was rare. I want us to look at three things that I think every child of God needs to understand. I told you about that first call, the call into the kingship, the call by God to be one of his own, the call to accept Jesus Christ as his personal Lord and Savior. Now, if you've done that this morning, now we need to move on to that second part. You've accepted that part. That sermon's over. Now we need to go to the other part. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior and you're sitting here this morning, before you leave, you need to get right. And then you can move on to the second part and experience the joy that God has for you. But the first point here is that God has a plan for each of us. God has a plan for each of us. God had laid out Samuel's plan from the beginning. That was no surprise to God. God knew exactly where Samuel needed to be, and he placed him in that situation. And Samuel, although he was young at this point, was available. We see that in his history up until this time. You know, it's interesting, we can see a lot of times, as I said earlier, if you think about the things that God's done to you, it'll put you right on your knees. If you think about all of the things that God has done to you to bless your life, it'll put you right on your knees and praising God for his faithfulness in your life. Sure, we go through some nasty stuff. But God is faithful and he's there all the time. You know, if you had asked me 15 years ago, Gary, would you be standing in a pulpit at Cross Point Community Church on July the 5th, 2015? First of all, I said, no, I probably won't be alive at that time. But if you said that, I said, that, there's no way. There's no way. But for some reason, God was leading my wife and I to come here for just this time. For just today. And if I look back on all of the things in my life, I can say, I get it now. I see it. Those things that I wanted, those things that I laid my life out for, those things that I said, boy, this is really what I want. God said it some, so many times, that's maybe what you want, but that's not what you need. It's about priorities. I see it, and I look forward to what's next. I'm not sure what's next. God knows. I've got some ideas about what's next. God may be saying, that's not my idea. But the point is, I have to be available. Just like Samuel was. You know, we look a lot of times, you know, we, we look at our lives and you say, well, Gary, that's good for you. you. You know, this is what you do. You're on staff at Cross Point Community Church. And so that's okay for you, but I'm not a professional. Was Samuel a professional? God caused and used him a special way. That's kind of a trick question. You know, Samuel actually was in the line of the Levitical priesthood. But you know what? If he went back and looked at that and he looked where he was and where his family was and he could have said, hey, Eli, I can take over for you because God says he's going to mess you up. 
He's going to mess up your house. I could take that over for you. You know, I can do that. I'm a professional or whatever. And God says, no, that's not what I want you to do. That's your plan. This is my plan. You just make yourself available, and I will drive you to where you need to be. You know, if you say, there's nothing I can do, God's never called me to do anything, Gary. You know what you're doing? You're limiting God, and you're calling God a liar. God says, I have a plan for you. I have a plan for you. Jeremiah 29, 11, he goes on to say, I have a plan for you, and that plan is not to harm you. And he wants us to be available in a place that he wants us to be. What was it God said to Moses? Moses says, I can't speak. I can't do anything. I stutter. You guys have put up with my stuttering and my southern accent. Most of you understood what I said. Some of you said, I have no idea what he just said. But that's another thing, okay? But Moses said, I, I'm not sure what I can do, God. I have no idea. And what was it God said? What's that in your hand, Moses? God says, I'm the equipper. I will give you everything you need to do what I've called you to do if you'll just make yourself available. God is the equipper. So first of all, God has a plan for each and every one of us. When we've been called and we've accepted that call to enter his kingdom and we said, Lord, now I want to make myself available, what do you have to do next? You have to be ready to listen. You have to be ready to listen. And that's the second point. The key is in our ability to tune in and listen. God called Samuel. We look at that first ver uh, the fourth verse again in chapter 3. He says, Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, Here I am. Here I am. And he was prepared to answer. His answer was the same as Abraham's in Genesis 22, 11. Here I am. It wasn't, just wait a little bit. Wait a minute, God, I'm on this other call. God, I got something else going on right now. Here I am. There's no hesitation, and that's what we really need to claim. As Christians, we need to every day get down on our knees and say, God, I'm so thankful for what you've done. What do you want me to do today? Because here I am. Here I am. Part of the problem is that we're only available to God on our terms. Many of us, I, I know, you know, when you get to be my age, yes, I draw Medicare. I would draw Social Security, but I'm a federal employee. I can't. But anyway... You get to be at that age, and one of the things that happens is you start to say, Lord, I can't wait. I'm going to retire, and then I'm going to get a chance to relax. Well, everybody knows when you retire, you don't relax. You have too many other things that you have to do, and you never get them done. But what I'm trying to tell you to say is, don't relax and retire from what God's called you to do. Every one of us can do something that God has called us to do. Don't make excuses. Luke 9, 58 through 60. And Jesus said to him, The foxes have holes and the birds of the airs have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And he said to another, Follow me. And he said, Lord, permit me to first go and bury my father. 
But Jesus said to him, allow the dead to bury their dead. But as for you, go and proclaim everywhere the kingdom of God. That's one thing that every one of us as believers has been called to do, is to go proclaim the kingdom of God. And every one of us can do that. I can't speak. What's that in your mouth? I stutter. So what? God has called us to do something. In both Samuel and Abraham's situations, they were exactly where God had placed them, and their response was immediate, and their response was without, without hesitation. And then their response was one of obedience. If we're not where God has placed us, if we're trying to pull away and design our own future, we're not going to be ready to listen. Now, don't get me wrong, especially young people here. Be all that you can be. God has given you talents and gifts and use those. But don't say, God, let me do this and then I'll come and serve you. Use him in that. Allow him to be part of your life. Allow him to be the driving force in your life. And it'll go so much easier for you. I know many of you saw uh, the... Uh, uh, world's most talented or stupid or whatever it is on television. I watch that uh, every week. America's got talent. That's what it is. Okay. I, I got confused. I'm sorry. But, but uh, as Howie would say. You know. But so anyway, as I was watching that this week, there was a five-year-old sweet little girl. She came out and she was going to sing and she looked like Shirley Temple. That's the first thing I thought. I looked at her and I said, she looks like Shirley Temple. And one of the judges said to her, he says, I know you don't know who this is, but he says, I think you've got Shirley Temple inside of you. And unabashedly, she said, no, I've got Jesus inside of me. She stood up and said what we all should say. She was available and without hesitation, she answered the call. You know, we've wrapped ourselves up in this world. We've, we've wrapped ourselves to such a point that we're listening to everything except God. Boy, I, you know, I'm one of those people, I love Facebook, but I'm about at the point that I'm going to close it up. It's going to be hard. But what I'm finding is more and more people under the guise of Christianity are spouting filth and nonsense. when we should be spending more time talking about the Savior. We've made ourselves available to everything but God. And that calling of God that he's calling every one of us, the first time, then the second time, that calling will bring transformation. And that's the third point. God's call brings transformation. A spiritual uh, transformation had to take place within Samuel. Samuel was, you know, he was, just, he was just a boy. Very spiritually immature. God's calling on his life had not taken effect yet. But when he made himself available and he had someone come alongside of him, someone explain it to him, someone help him with the quest that he was making, then he said, I am here. 
Remember when we started reading in the first, I said the scripture says in those days God's word was rare. The people were not listening. The people were not listening. Have you ever tried to have a conversation with someone and they refuse to listen? I mean, I'm not talking about your kids, okay? But have you ever tried to have a conversation with someone and, and they refuse to listen? You know, it's kind of like the, the old commercials or some of the, the comedy shows where somebody goes, la, 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 you know, I'm not listening to you. But sometimes people just aren't listening to you. How does that work out for you? I find myself, when, when I'm talking to somebody and they're not listening, I have a desire to get a little fleshy. I start to get a little upset. But you know what I eventually do? I just turn around and walk off. If they're not going to take the time to listen to me, I'm going to just turn around and talk, walk off. We quit talking because of their rudeness. And God so many times quits talking to us because we're not listening. The people of the day were not allowing God to transform their lives. These were people that God had chosen to show them a way to lead them into the promised land. Once they had what they thought they wanted, then they did everything under the sun except what God had called them to do. They were not being transformed. They were not allowing God to renew them. We can't see God's wisdom or his plan for our life if we're not listening. We do not hear God because we're listening. How do we begin this transformation in our lives? How do we know what God wants us to do? How do we obediently follow him, and then how do we listen to God? First, as I said earlier, we have to understand that God has a plan. I want everybody to say that this morning. God has a plan. God has a plan for every one of us. It's not just a plan for the professionals. It's not just a plan for the people to stand up here. One of my favorite verses, as I mentioned, was Jeremiah 29, 11, and it says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope in a future. Unfortunately, so many of us look at that verse, and so many churches look at that verse today, and they say, did you get that? God wants to prosper you. He wants to prosper you, but maybe not the way you think he wants to prosper you. He wants you to have the joy of living a spirit-filled Christian life. There's joy in the Lord. So God has a plan for every one of you, every one of us. And to not accept that plan is to call God a liar. So first, if you understand and you accept that God has a plan, the next thing you have to do is be ready to listen. You need to take off whatever is blocking those orifices on either side of your head, whatever is in your brain, whatever is blocking out God's word, whatever you've stuffed in there, you need to take that aside and put yourself in a place where you can listen what God is saying to you. You need to work And I need to work. I'm not pointed at you. Somebody told me this morning, says, Pastor Gary, when you preach, you look right at me. Well, it was Michael. 
And I told him, I said, Michael, because you need this. But I was just messing with him because we all need this. We all need this. We all need to know that we need to be ready to listen to God. And so, you know, we, we've got these priorities all messed up in our lives. We say, when I get this done, then I can take care of living the life that God's called me to do. Jesus said, let the dead bury the dead. Get your priorities straight. You know, my dad was a very wise man. And one of the things that he said was, you have plenty of time to do what you truly want to do. Did you get that? You have plenty of time to do what you truly want to do. We have got ourselves so tied up in this society that we live in that we don't have time to read our Bible. We don't have time to go to church except when it's convenient. Okay, I've only got one more sermon to preach, so I don't care what I say. Somebody says, Gary, you shouldn't have said that. Okay, fire me. God said it. I didn't say it. God says, seek ye first the kingdom of heaven, and then all that will be added to you. And we want to still, we want to take that and think, okay, okay, I'll get the prosperity later. You may, you may not, but you'll get it according to God's wishes. We have to take time to listen. I'm going to challenge every one of you here. I know some of you aren't reading your Bible every day. That's just the truth. I know some of you, uh, this is the only Bible study you get. I'm going to challenge every one of you. Pastor George did this several years ago, challenged us to read through the Bible in a year. In fact, he did it six years ago because I'm on my sixth time. I never would have done that if he hadn't challenged me. And the Lord opens every day something else. And that's why when I said this morning, when I was thinking about this sermon, God was speaking to my heart. God wants to speak to your heart. The first way we make ourselves available and prepare to listen is to be there where? In the Word. Be where God has placed us. His word is his love letter to us, and it's got so much insight. Realign your priorities. You may need to slow down. See, I loved it. Several years ago, my doctor told me, he said, well, Gary, your blood pressure's a little bit up, and, you know, I'm kind of concerned about your cholesterol. And, and I said, Doc, do I need to lose weight? And he said, yes. At the time, I weighed 210 pounds. And he said, yes, you need to lose some weight. I said, if you say it, I'll do it. I couldn't do it on my own. So now I'm giving you that opportunity. You said, Pastor Gary says that I have to read my Bible every day. Do it. You've been given dispensation. Do it. You may need to slow down. You may need to look at where you spend your time, your money. What are you investing in? How can you hear a gentle whisper when you're listening to so much of the clamor of the world? It's a cacophony out there. And it's hard to break through those things and to listen to that still, small voice. You need to get yourself alone somewhere in private. Your lifestyle may need to change today. 
speaking of lifestyles and Facebook, you need to quit look at, looking at other people's lifestyles and look at your own. Sin looks wor much worse on somebody else than it does on ourselves. Sin is sin regardless. Our lifestyles bear witness to our transformation to what we've allowed God to do in our lives. Samuel heard a message from the Lord and he made himself available. He realized God had a plan and then allowed God to transform his life and deliver that message. And it says later on, then his words never failed. His word continued on because God blessed him. Have you done that or are you just filling up your life with so much noise that you can't hear God speaking? Make yourself available. Stop listening to the wrong call. We're going to have a new pastor in a couple of weeks. We need to be a church that can follow his vision and a church that's willing to do the work that God's called us to do. Pastor Bud's been called to do something, but it's not do our work. It's to do the, Lord God, the work God has called him to do. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, we love you this morning. Forgive me for anything that I've said that's been an offense to you, to your throne. Father, forgive me for many lightheartedness. But Father, you've called me to speak your word and that's what I've tried to do. Father, I just pray that if there's anyone here this morning that has not accepted the fact that you sent your son to die on the cross for the forgiveness of sins, I pray that they'll walk this aisle this morning, that they'll do that. I pray that they'll tell someone, or if they just want to know what all this is about, that they'll come forward. I pray that the deacons will come and just open their hearts to anyone who comes and stands in the altar this morning. There may be some here that says, Gary, I've got, I've got so many things going on in my life, I don't know how to stop. I don't know how to listen to God. I just pray, Father, that they would just take a moment to catch a deep breath. Get off by themselves in your word that they'll see who you want them to be because of who you are. Father, we love you. All these things we ask in your precious son's name. Amen.